Hello, everyone. Welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And like I just said, this is We Can Do Pod Things, our podcast where we talk about Glennon Doyle, Amanda Doyle, and Abby Wambach's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. So it's been a few weeks since we have released an episode, and we're just super thrilled to be back. And we hope that there are people who also have come back. We have missed you guys. We sure have. It's been a minute. So for today's quote of the week, it is actually from a poem from the TikToker at Punny Penny. No, at Miss Punny Penny. And the final line of the poem is, my flames burn eternal, far away from your touch, when compared with too little, enough's always too much. And that will tie in to uh, what we talk about today. Which is the episode with Reese Witherspoon. Who we just found out moments ago Mm. is filing for divorce from her husband. So Reese, we are wrapping you in healing and love. So much love. Um, Do you happen to remember when that episode was? I can pull it up on my phone. Um, I don't. It's right here. So that episode was from July 19th, 2022. All right. Ready to get into it? I'm ready. So the first thing I wrote down uh, was, I think Abby had asked Glennon, what was it about your past self that has changed or your younger self or whatever that's changed? And she said she thought she believed in structures more and, Mm. and, and that she had to follow these societal structures or expectations or norms for her own safety. Specific to friendships or just in general? I think in general, but Mm -hmm. also specific to friendships. And I wrote that down and then I started writing other things down and I was like, that's probably not super relevant. But then I came back to it Mm -hmm. because later on in the episode, Reese mentions, she talks about, you don't get to stop me. Some Because Abby was talking about how she had felt guilty for participating in a system that perpetuated a lot of this mistreatment mistreatment of exactly women. exactly yeah. um, and of course Reese being in the Hollywood industry re- can relate can very much relate and and she said essentially like don't be so hard on yourself don't mm-hmm. don't give yourself too much grief over that like we you you did what you had to that do that was survival baby that was survival mm-hmm. exactly and just because there's a bad system, it doesn't mean that it's going to stop you from dreaming. Mm-hmm. Like you were dreaming and you were doing what you needed to to achieve those dreams. Right. Just because the the system is bad mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's going to stop you from dreaming. And she then she goes on to say, just because your system doesn't allow for what I want, which what she was talking about was women, writers, voices, stories, mm-hmm. realistic by women for women. And she said, just because your system doesn't allow it, it's not going to stop me. Yeah. I'm just going to create my own system. Yeah. I'm just going to reformulate the system. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to Glennon talking about how she believed in in the structures more. And when you stop believing in the structures, and you it's learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. And you start remembering like, oh, no, um, I don't have to believe in this structure just because you told me I had yeah. to. You're starting at the end and what is my end goal and how do I build that rather than what are my options, what are my limitations, and how do I get the most out of what I have available to me right now? It makes me think of Trisha Hersey when she said, you're living in someone's imagination. Mm. Mm -hmm. Every experience you have, every structure that you conform to is someone's imagination Mm -hmm. of what this looks like. Mm -hmm. So. Why not make it yours? Yep. Why not make it your vision of what this could look like? It is very Trisha Hersey and the um, get out of the system. Mm-hmm. The system wasn't built to for your pleasure or your dream mm-hmm. or your achievement or your satisfaction. It was built for someone else's. Yeah. To be, how does it go? In this world, but not of it? Yes. Is that it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was right off the bat kind of surprising for me when they, those two connected. So I'm glad that they did because it really meant a whole lot. I also liked, kind of related to that, she said that she doesn't really care for the word power. She Mm. prefers to use the word responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it just, I'm 
still sitting with that Hmm. because I don't know if we're afraid of that word because we've been taught to, Hmm. you know, reject that word Mm -hmm. as women. Like Like, that's not meant for you, honey. Sit down, sweetheart. Or because power can be mistreated. Yeah. And because power is often used for evil and not for good. Right. I can't tell if I'm rejecting it for valid reasons or for reasons that I've just internalized. It's like the word fat. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it it inherently doesn't mean anything good or bad. Yeah. Actually, all words are like that. I Almost. Mm-hmm. Almost all words, I think, are like that. Yeah. Um, don't you love it when your kids get old enough to ask you the question, but why are they cuss words, mom? Like, why are they bad <laughs> words? I don't know. Just don't say it in front of grandma. Right. Like, I don't, I don't make the rules, man. I don't make the structure. I'm just here to try to help you navigate it. That reminds me of – this story I heard in high school in my one of my uh, social studies classes, and they, he was talking about the origin of the word shit mm-hmm. and it was it, how it was referenced to when they were um, people on boats were you know traveling or whatever the, the the poop had to sit in a certain portion of the boat or else um, the methyl whatever fumes mm-hmm. would catch fire. And so why they, were they keeping it on the boat? If you're in the ocean, why aren't you just tossing it over the side of the boat? I'm now realizing that this story may have been completely bullshit. <laughs> but like for what reason are you storing it in the boat? I don't know. Would they just dump it out in the sea? I mean, that seems like the thing that makes the most sense. Why wouldn't or maybe it was manure. Either way, mm-hmm. they were shipping poop. Okay, and if and they couldn't, um, it couldn't be stored in the bottom of the ship because mm-hmm. it could catch fire, and then the whole ship would burn because the gas was flammable. So they would label it "ship higher in transport." Oh, I see. It's, it's an acronym. It's an acronym. So then it w- then it became shit. So then and then, but how did how did it go from? an acronym, perfectly innocent acronym to a swear word. I don't know. Does anyone else actually know about that? I know there's a history of swear words on Netflix mm-hmm. that has been on my list of things to watch for a while. So All maybe right. that can shed maybe some Maybe we'll go there it, to but. fact check. Mm-hmm. Or one of our listeners can email us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com. Right. Or find us on Instagram at we can do pod things with underscores between the words and let us know what your information regarding swear words is. But yeah, she talked about not liking the word power, preferring responsibility. Yeah. And I think there is an implication that power means you are superior to someone else. Or you're taking- up, they're down. Mm -hmm. And you are stepping on their neck somehow. You have authority over their consent. Mm -hmm. And responsibility is more like- you have some care for these people or mm-hmm. these things that are in whatever way have fallen into your lap. Mm-hmm. Responsibility is more about me mm-hmm. and my duties mm-hmm. and power is more about you and my, my being superior to yeah. you. Yeah. Somehow it That's- feels like power is – what can I make you do for me? Yes. And responsibility is exactly. what do I do for you? Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, in that way, I definitely prefer the responsibility over mm-hmm. power. But power is still a thing yeah. and power can still be a good thing mm-hmm. also. But I, yeah, I thought it was interesting that she said that too. Yeah. Maybe we just rewrite the definition. Yeah. Instead of abandoning the word, we mm-hmm. just change the definition. Mm-hmm. We do that a lot. Mm-hmm. We like doing that, actually. We're rebuilding the structure the way that it fits us better. <laughs> she talked about, um, first of all, okay, though, I have always been a fan of Reese Witherspoon. She's adorable. She's short, beautiful, and funny. Like, what is not to love? Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone's got their own shit, their own stuff that we've done that we're not proud of. For the most part, though, I felt like she was pretty unproblematic. Mm-hmm. I th- she is from what I heard on here. Now, granted, she's also an actress, and so maybe this is just her being a very good actress. But 
God damn it. She sounds like the sweetest person in the whole she world. She really does. Such a genuine and generous and just kind-hearted person. Oh, I fucking love her. She's an angel. Angel in heaven. Yeah. And she's a- not quite Dolly status. Right. But she's, she's not far. She's like Demi Dolly. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that Glennon said was, "You're known for being a good friend." Mm-hmm. And so, tell me, what are some what are some ways that you can be a good friend? And, um, you know, she talked about. I certainly haven't always been a good friend, um, but I've learned that having a friend who is an active listener, who's not necessarily trying to fix things, that makes for a better quality friendship. And so that's what. And when I stopped trying to solve other people's problems and I just sat and listened to them, that that was making me a better friend. And that's that's sit in the dark. Mm-hmm. It is not our job to turn on the light for other people. It's our job to sit in the dark. It's witnessing someone else's pain and just confirming, yes, you're right. We yeah. are all going to die someday. <laughs> you are not crazy. That's all it takes. It just takes that empathy. It just takes that lack of aloneness, Mm -hmm. that refusal to let someone be alone. Yeah. And I I vibe with it. I like it. I love that her mom, (gasps) who she adores in much the same way that I adore my mom, so I really vibed with that. Her mom, when she first moved to L.A., said, there's a girl across the hall from you. She looks about your age. Mm-hmm. Just go over and say hello. Mm-hmm. Like she was in kindergarten. Right. I mean, we really never stop needing our moms or our adult or our person, somebody mm-hmm. to tell us, you can do this. Get out there. Gee, Assume yeah. they're going to like you. Yes. Yes. Assume positive mm-hmm. intent. That's huge. Um, that takes me to where she said, I've done much scarier things than introduce myself to other people and how just breaking it down into that core task of like, okay, what am I actually doing Mm -hmm. here? It's not, it's not that serious. Right. It's never been that serious. Mm -hmm. All I'm doing is I'm introducing myself to the person that lives across the hall from me. Whether they like me or not is irrelative. And think of all the scary things that I've already done Mm -hmm. way worse than just saying, hey, I moved across the hall from you. I'm 19. Nice to meet you. Yeah. But turns out they're still best friends to this day. Yeah. Besties, besties, besties. It reminds me of a story of two girls who were at a park one time (laughs) with their sons. (laughs) And one of them was like, hey, here's how you can find me on Facebook if you ever want to hang out and our kids can play together. And then the other person Googled her on Facebook or Facebook searched her and added her in that. And I've done way scarier things than (laughs) – way scarier things than just (laughs) Facebook stalk someone. I mean, really, that's probably the least scary of all the things I've ever done. That's – I do it We've all done that before 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) That's just your standard wake-up ritual around here. Oh, it does remind me of that. I love that. Um, she talked about, and you referenced this in one of our Dr. Franco episodes, The it's a si- series of withdrawals and deposits. Mm-hmm. That's very marble jar, g- to- uh, game theory. Like, it's the friendships are withdrawals and deposits. Mm-hmm. And if it's always deposit, 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 and you never get to withdrawal, or it's always withdraw, 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 mm-hmm. withdraw, and they're never depositing. That's when it's time for you to reevaluate. Right. And she talks about it too, boundaries, and how when she, we were younger, not knowing our boundaries as well or not learning about our boundaries. And I think Abby had a said something about, you know, when we're in our 20s, we have no boundaries. And when we're in our 30s, we're learning about our boundaries. And then when we're in our 40s, we're like exercising and using those boundaries. And wouldn't it be – such a beautiful life if we could raise our kids to start out in their teens mm-hmm. learning their boundaries and knowing what those boundaries are and, and figuring them out. That's so God's that, work. So that by the time they <laughs> We become, are doing the Lord's we work. We really are. What I'm saying is uh, you're welcome. <laughs> because if you can start out adulthood already having a solid foundation, mm-hmm. How much more can you accomplish 
in your life, how much better can we be for each other and for ourselves and for the world than if we're all, we're just figuring that out in our late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. I And for some people, later than that. Yeah. I, of course, don't know Glennon Doyle personally yet. <laughs> but I can imagine that friendship was hard for her in mm-hmm. her 20s mm-hmm. and her 30s. And now that she's a little bit older and we've all gotten a little healthier mm-hmm. and a little wiser mm-hmm. and a little bit more appropriately boundaried, mm-hmm. she can experience friendship in a new way mm-hmm. where it's not threatening for her anymore. And isn't doesn't that mismatch of friendship when we're younger, whether it's in our late teens, early 20s, or even early teens, doesn't that kind of contribute to things like addiction? Because who are the people that we hang out with, mm-hmm. the people that we do drugs or drink with or or talk shit about people? We don't even actually like those people a lot of times. But you don't have to like someone if you're drunk Yeah, every time y'all hang out. Mm-hmm. And if we were able to then know who we are and what we like and what we don't like and that it's okay for us to say, mm-hmm. you only think we have a whole lot in common. I don't mm-hmm. really need to be your friend. Then maybe it would lead to less substance abuse or compensating for our lack of belonging yeah. with external influences. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. So then she says, how do you know when they're friendship butterflies? And she was like, I don't really know how to explain it because it's not the same as like romantic butterflies. And I was like, ooh, I do. <laughs> we call it mutual stardust. I was going to say the word is mutual stardust, what honey. are looking for, Glennon, is mutual stardust. And we are more than happy to navigate you through mm-hmm. The understanding of that We will be your Sherpas. Mm. (laughs) Your friendship (laughs) Sherpas. Your cosmic companions. Uh, She talks about there are three – You will. her mom, I think, was the one that had told her, you will experience three types of people in your life. It was was a coach. A coach. She was learning a role. There was a coach who must be highly regarded in the sports world because Abby knew of her. Yes. And she's the one who said that, I believe. Yeah. There are three types of people. There will be the people who essentially support you. Mm-hmm. The people who are indifferent. Neutral. E- neutral. Mm-hmm. Really have no investment either way in your success or your failure. And then the other people who are out there to destroy you. Mm-hmm. Their goal is to bring you down a notch yeah. and see you fail. And- Boo you at your play. Mm-hmm. so to speak yeah and she said when you're surrounded by the people who are seeking to destroy you or undermine you or aren't invested in your success they're invested in the opposite of it Mm -hmm. they are the ones that drain your energy and that's how you know who are the people to be around Mm -hmm. you to keep around you who you should be friends with the one you're ideally it's going to be the people who support you yeah and not support you blindly yes. in your unhealthy choices. The people who that feels more like the indifferent, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the people who support you towards your success and your health and your wellness, and are brave enough to have <clears throat> conflict with you or conversations with you or say, "Now, hang on a minute, this doesn't align with yeah. what you said you want to do," or this, like, hey, like I know this feels good in the moment, but like. You, I know you, and I know that you've said that you want this for your life. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that thing get you closer to the life that you want to live? Yeah. Conflict, not combat. Right. As Dr. Franco distinguished for us. Yes. And there really is such a distinction between the feeling between the people who support you and the people who are here to tear you down. Because, again, it goes back to I see what you have picked out for yourself, what you have said for yourself is what you want. And I'm here to help further that versus I know what I want for my life and I know what I want. And what I want is for you to be less than me Mm -hmm. or what I don't even know what I want. I just know I don't want you to have it. Yeah. 
And that's like, it feels very external versus internal validation wise. And it's also a lot about emotional maturity. And it's something I see a lot in Reese as, as she's talking about this is she talks a lot about generosity and Mm -hmm. not assuming the worst in people and, and not taking things personally. And that really having an influence on the quality of friendships that we have. And that's good. It's, it's like, how do we get to a balanced place though? Where, because again, we have to, we can't, we can't be right feeling brain all the time. We we can't just be all kumbaya and love is everything and no one everyone's good and no one's bad mm-hmm. because that's not true there are bad people mm-hmm. and we do have to protect ourselves and that's when it goes back to that withdrawal and deposit yeah and they even she even references that like how do you know when it's a good person versus a bad person or or when that person is out to support you or out to drain your energy and it goes back to do they make deposits or do they only make withdrawals yeah when dr franco talks about going into a room, assuming that everyone likes you. Assuming Mm -hmm. is the thing that you do before you have any evidence. Mm -hmm. That's when you assume. Mm -hmm. But once you go into that room, if people present you with evidence that they don't like you, that's when you use that part of your brain that Mm -hmm. says, okay, you're not for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen your actions. You're doing the best that you can. Mm -hmm. The best that you can does not um, fill the need that I have or doesn't um, you know, have the specific skill set that I need in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so blessings on your day. Thank you. Next. She said friends who support, they're the ones that are there to brighten your light. Um, we kind of already talked about that a little bit. Do you feel like you come across that as much in adulthood, that cluster of people who live for your failure? When I picture that, I I can a thousand percent see it as you're going through middle school, mm-hmm. as you're going through high school, mm-hmm. maybe even when you're in college. Mm-hmm. Once you're past college and you really have a chance to curate your social circle, I don't see those people as much. Maybe in your workplace environment. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I also then sometimes witness dynamics where I'm just like, why are you friends with them? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, again, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the, it starts in middle school. Mm -hmm. I see that more when we're younger, when we're more immature, when we haven't put the work in or been able to or been provided a safe place to love ourselves and like know what we like and what we don't mm-hmm. like. And we're looking outside of ourselves for that validation and that love and that sense of fitting in yeah, versus belonging. And I think it really just depends on the people who've been given the opportunity to and taken the opportunities to do the work mm-hmm. versus it's never been an option for them because it's never been safe for them for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm wondering if most people age out of that mm. or we just get better at weeding those people out or both. I think it's a choice. It's probably both. I honestly, I honestly think it's a choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's every person who's been – has gotten to that point where they're like, this is not working for me. Mm-hmm. This is not the life I want to live. How do I do better? Yeah. So they engage in therapy or they quit their job and they go to a different job or they break up with whoever they're dating that doesn't serve them anymore. I think it – but that's a choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's an active choice. I don't think it just naturally happens to where like it just fades away because I think if you look at any of these – God, I'm going to sound so smug. Um, And I know that a lot of it is scripted anyways, but like the Real Housewives, Mm -hmm. all of that reality show for whatever reality it actually is. But like it, the reason why we watch it or why people watch it and why it's so compelling is because there are people that actually act like that. Mm -hmm. And there are relationships that we have witnessed that are like that. There are people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that still have those kind of friendships and have never experienced that real – mature or emotionally healthy sort of friendship. And 
what a gift it is to be old enough to have some choice. Yeah. You know, like when you're in middle school or high school and you're more or less forced in some ways to be in your friends with the people because of proximity. Yeah. I mean, you you can't really escape them. Nope. You know, when you're an adult and you decide to cut someone out of your life, you can literally live the rest of your life potentially without ever seeing that person again. Mm Mm-hmm. That you don't not, follow them on TikTok. Yeah, you yeah. don't like their videos or Instagram posts yeah. or whatever. You I'm not saying it's easy, but you can make it happen. Actually write them out of your life and yeah. never have to think about them ever again. And when you're an adolescent, you don't get the option to do that. No, you have to see them every single day. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's interesting that that's how we started out this whole friendship series was with Marissa Franco talking about how do we make friends as an adult and as and, and as kids we have this natural source because it's whoever is just in proximity it's whatever who's ever lives around us or mm-hmm. who um is in our grade or plays the same sport that we play and that how easy it is to find friends that way but then again they're not they don't necessarily guarantee real friendship either yeah it's easy to find friends and it's easy to lose friends mm-hmm. because you're friends with so-and-so, your besties when you're in the same class in third grade, but then you move on to fourth grade and you're in different classes and all of a sudden you each have a new best friend. But you know, this is a, th- a thing that I was talking about with a couple different people recently about like friendship breakups and, and they talk about that in here too, but um, how difficult it is when no one's done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not like someone is an awful person. Oh, it's so hard for us when we can't make someone the villain, isn't it? Right? Yes. And it's and and sometimes friendships just fizzle out mm-hmm. and dissolve and how devastating that can be and that being like one of the worst things about being an adult, like one of my least favorite lessons to learn has had been and has continues to be when those friendships just end. Mhm. And you would think that being kids with these lower quality friendships, we would be used to that. But we, but it doesn't really happen like that mm-hmm. because we are still forced in proximity with each other. Like maybe we're not in the same fourth grade class, but we still go to the same school and our, and our parents are still going to make the effort for us to hang out with each other or um, whatever. I'm thinking about – It's just not as devastating when you're a kid. I don't know. What never changed for me – was I lived in the same neighborhood right. as a lot of the girls that I hung out with. Yeah. So even when we weren't in the same class, we still played together mm-hmm. and spent a lot mm-hmm. of time together. But had we not been in the same class, I don't know if we could have sustained our friendship. Our children are somewhat or living – had we not been in the same neighborhood. I, knew I said meant. that wrong. Um, our children are kind of living that reality now. Mm-hmm. And I think it – I do think it genuinely helps that, like, we're friends. Oh, yeah. Not that I'm not friends friends mm-hmm. with – it's that lack of enough terminology around the type of friend. Right. Not that I am not friends with Jack's other friends, parents, but, like, you and I are fucking mutual stardust bitches for life. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there may come a day, and I'm – Wish there was something wood for me to knock on. There may come a day when Rally and Jack just don't mm-hmm. vibe with each other anymore. And that's okay. They're still going to have to figure out how to coexist because we're still going to be yeah. friends. So that probably helps them maintain this friendship. But they probably, honestly, if you and I weren't as close as we were, they would they would not be as close as they are yeah, today. They would have probably drifted apart. Mm-hmm. But also – because they each contain a little bit of us. Mm-hmm. It means they statistically each have to contain even a small portion of mutual stardust for each other. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Let the universe do its work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glennon asks Reese about like, how do you make the moves to be, to be a friend? Like when you feel that friendship tingle, when you feel that mutual stardust, how do you make the move? And that's when she talks about, you know, her mom being like, there's a girl across the hall from mm-hmm. you. Like you should just just say hi. And she yeah. talks about she has to be brave, and be vulnerable, and have empathy because she talks about like I think about when I've been in situations where I'm alone, and what it's like to be lonely, then not wanting other people to feel that way, 
gives me some of that bravery. Mm-hmm. And I, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about um, in group uh, last week, I'm in a women's empowerment group therapy group for um, those of you who have missed out on that fact. Um, there's a, it's a, it's, I don't know, five or six, six or seven of us. I don't remember how exactly how many in there and it's spanning all ages. I am in the middle, very much median age, like, well, yes, very much median age. And I have assumed the, the role of like the super aggressive, like love enforcer, Mm -hmm. whether they're younger or older. Yeah. And like, there's this adorable woman that you can tell has spent her life following the qualification of we can't don't be don't be like stay small stay small stay or, quiet. or you know don't be prideful mm-hmm. or or you know don't be too big for your britches or whatever and she has this habit of of underqualifying herself mm-hmm. or you know like well, you know, I don't know. It's probably just because I'm, you know, I'm just not the smartest person in the world. But I don't even think it's conscious. I think it's just subconscious because it's, she's lived her life so long. And so I've, I started being like, hey, stop saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw my pencil at you every single time you say something mean about yourself. And, you know, we all laugh. And um, But I've, I, that is such an easy role for me to slip into. And I was thinking about it after group about how the reason I think I get so aggressive about it is because it feels so important to me because that wasn't necessarily something I had met for me mm-hmm. a lot. Obviously, someone did because I and I have you being one of them, friends who have pointed out along the way like did you hear what you just did mm-hmm. did you did you see what you just did and and that giving me the time to pause and go oh and be mindful of what i did just say somebody threw the pencil at you exactly and so it's been interesting for me to like think about like why is it so important why does it feel so urgent for me to do that for other people it's really a reminder to watch what people are putting out mm. because that is so often an indicator of what they want to receive. Uh, yeah. It's almost like when you feel that feeling where you're so repulsed or opposite of this one concept, then that's actually probably the thing that you need. Mm-hmm. Like Chelsea Handler said, the thing that you resist the most is the thing that you need. But having that empathy and that understanding of like, I felt that way before and I don't want that for someone else. And how that is a a lot of contrast to another frame of mind and I wonder if it's gendered or if I or or not where there's I think there's two types of people. I don't want them to go through that and so I'm going to do what I can to protect them versus I had to go through that. Mm. I dealt with it and I came out a better person. So therefore you should have to also. That's again, feels external versus internal. Mm -hmm. And I'm biased because I'm very clearly like hardwired survival on one side of that rather than the other. And it takes both has to be balanced, but just like any time that there's a binary, right? the right answer is somewhere in the middle, in the middle. Because you can't always just like you can't enable people and you can't just smooth the road for them so that they never experience anything yeah, sometimes bad. Sometimes you have to allow them to fuck around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> for their own good. Yeah. And their own growth. But also that whole if I had to do it, so do you sort of thing is not the way no, either. That's, not that's how we get hazing mm-hmm. and just that yeah. really just like intentionally hurting other people because is like some sort of like score evening for me. So it's, that was just like an interesting thought. Cause I heard, heard her saying that a lot of like, well, I saw this in, and I experienced this and, and I don't want other people to have that. And that's, I think a lot of the basis of some of her businesses um, or her business model for, uh, is it Hey Sunshine? 
Sure. Um, for we'll we'll fact check ourselves on that in a second, but I feel like it's that, or it might be Hello Sunshine. Hello Sunshine. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, that because as a young actress, she experienced these things and um, doesn't want other actresses to have to go through it. That kind of made me think of that whole like, well, that is completely in contrast with a lot of people that I've met. I mean, some of them. There is a cross-section, a Venn diagram overlap, if you will, that have been in the military. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it's – I don't know that that's, that's correlation, not causation. But um, who – the reason that we do these things and the reason that we are hard on people or um, test people or push people because I experienced it and I know that I came out the other side better for it. Mm-hmm. And it's me. It's just making me think of, you know, the motivational speaker that said, you know, like be grateful for the abuse that you endured, or you know, if it hadn't been for the abuse or whatever the whatever small t big t trauma you mm-hmm. experienced, you wouldn't be the person that you are now. Right. And like fuck that, because I sure as shit could have learned a lot of this stuff without mm-hmm. having been violated or traumatized or. There's such a fine line between empowerment mm. and victim blaming. Mm. Mm-hmm. I see and what you're trying to do. Like I see what this person's trying to do, but it's just a hard thing to get right. Yeah. And I mean, in addition to victim blaming, it's just like, it just feels really dismissive mm-hmm. of like, real. I mean, you came out the other side better. So really, was it even that bad? Or... You, it's not so much that like you participated. It, it's not always so much that you participated in your own mistreatment. It's that stop complaining about your mistreatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it actually helped you. It actually yeah. made you better. You should be grateful for That's it. That's not it. I don't like it. That's not it. No, not my favorite. Talking about Reese as a professional, have you ever seen? It's a viral clip of her. I think she was accepting an award or she was being honored for something fantastic. And she talks about there's a particular line in a movie Hmm. that she always is on the lookout for. And she sees it way more often than she should to Mm -hmm. this day. And it is when a woman in the movie says, what do we do now? Oh, my God. Have you seen that? No. And she's like, when in your life Mm -hmm. have you ever known any woman in a crisis situation who has no idea what to do? (laughs) Right. Like, every woman you've ever met has a 10-step plan Mm -hmm. and everything she needs in her purse because she carries that goddamn 50-pound purse around (laughs) with her. Just in case this very thing were to happen, she's got the first aid kit. She's got it all. She's got the extra snacks, whatever it is. She's packing. You are so right. I did. I, and that actually kind of lines up with, um, she talks about women have this knowledge and base and we've never been empowered or we've not been empowered to use it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and women being underestimated and like overlooked and not um, sought after for certain roles in society. And who is more chronically prepared for danger? Oh my God. Okay. So, than listen, women. This is my one of my favorite fucking stories that illustrates the patriarchy of a, uh, it's a, it was a Tumblr or Reddit thread or something that I had seen this, this female was talking to her friend who's a male and he like got a nosebleed or something. And he was like trying to figure out how to get blood out of his shirt. And um, she like was like, here, you got to do this. And he was like, why do you know that? And she was like, every female knows how to get blood out of something. And he was like, why? Because you guys are all like secret serial killers. And she was like, then like kind of like looked at him and was like, think about that. And he was like, ew, oh my God, gross. Because you get your periods. Like, and it was more palatable mm-hmm. to her friend that women all that be she serial, be a serial killer than the fact that her body naturally does what it's supposed right. to do. But 
then you, but that's the, that's like such a good illustration too, of like every woman that you ever meet is going to know how to get blood out of something and is not going to be grossed out Mm -hmm. by the sight of blood. Probably not. Now I'm, there are still people who like don't love the sight of blood. And it's really funny because my aunt used to pass out at the sight of blood. And, um, when she retired from Purdue, she was the, uh, head of the lab. Mm Mm-hmm at Purdue, like the, the push Purdue student health center. So she had to be around. That's an interesting place to be if you're squeamish. Yes. Yep. But it's just, we are accustomed to way more shit than people want to give us credit for. That's one of the reasons that she, that Reese was compelled to start writing her own stories or making her own movies or investing in her own projects because she just wasn't satisfied with the way women were being represented. Mm -hmm. And I love when she says, people ask me, why are you so busy? And I tell them, do you understand? We are making up for thousands of women's stories that have been untold for years. I have that written down too. We're making up for thousands of stories. Mm -hmm. I and I but I also want to say that that's not the same saying that women have a knowledge base that that and that we're undervalued or underestimated is not the same thing as saying men first of all men don't have that knowledge or second of all men aren't underestimated or men don't also have innate knowledge that they are discouraged from using mm-hmm. I think it, I, for whatever reason, it feels important to say that. I think it just comes up in different, it just looks, it's a different package. The system that we exist in, by and large, does not assume that this man in this industry doesn't know what he's doing. Right. But I do want to, I do, I did want to point that out that like, mm-hmm. we're not saying that women are better than men or we possess this knowledge that men mm-hmm. don't have because men suck or are stupid or whatever. And maybe it is a little bit of a out of, because we, we'd, we have to be prepared for this stuff because no one else is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that I guess does make us stronger or more resilient or whatever, but like, can it just be like a little bit of column A, a little column B, like a little bit of like, hey, yes, I know to be prepared with the tampon because tampons can be used for anything and everything medical. Mm-hmm. But also, would it be the worst thing in the world if my boyfriend had one in his pocket or like, you know, whatever, I don't know, had a panty liner in his wallet or mm-hmm. whatever? Like, would that be the worst thing in the world? Also. Doesn't have to be just one way. Reminds me of Tiger Woods recently making headlines because he was playing in a tournament. Oh my God! Yeah, some guy missed a shot or something, mm-hmm. and Tiger Woods hands him a tampon mm-hmm. as like a way of like emasculating mm-hmm. him. Man, Tiger, get the grow just the play fuck golf. up. Like, just yeah, play golf, man. Stay in your fucking <laughs> lane. If you haven't learned this lesson yet, can this be the time? Can this be it? Can this be mm-hmm. the last time you have to learn this? And you know what? That's not to say that you can't do things other than golf. Get right with yourself before but you try to do more things. If you're going to go out and do something, maybe make sure you have the qualifications mm-hmm. to do that thing. And if you can't, blessings on your day. Yeah. You don't have to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. You can just stick to your rivers and your lakes that you're used to. <laughs> I love the old school TLC. Thank you. I very much appreciated that also. Remind me what this means. I have written down, Abby has no post-mortem conversations. Ooh, I have that written down too. Um, I have a vague recollection of what that means. She has no post- post-mortem conversation regret. Oh, And she, yeah. I wrote it down. And everybody else was like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. So, and I wrote down that. And I, I already had an answer for it. Yeah. 90% of my brain space is occupied by that regret. Right. Like, uh, and, and Glennon was like, I'm already regretting <laughs> things that I've said earlier on in this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, I already knew the answer to it. And then when she said it, I just felt so validated because she was like, well, I've, I've been raised with a fair amount of male privilege. Mm-hmm. I've been raised in sports world and I'm not feminine and She's where, been accepted into circles mm-hmm. that most of us have not. 
where I don't have to worry about what I say being reflected back on me as like, oh, how catty was she? Or, oh, are you on your period? Or like, Which whatever. Is so interesting because another way of thinking about it might be she could have been more sensitive to that than anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she didn't have to because nobody, I mean, it didn't, it was, there was not a necessity for her to mm-hmm. be because it wasn't necessarily, I don't know if it was because it wasn't assumed for her or just, she, it just never occurred to her to mm-hmm. begin with. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I love my body? Like, yeah. I'm, why wouldn't I love my cellulite? Like, ladies, love your cellulite. Okay. But I, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. I th- I thought that that was kind of, I wrote that down too, where she was like, no, you know, that doesn't really happen to me. It's like finding out that there are, a percentage of people in the world who don't have like an internal mm, dialogue. Yeah, I, I feel s- like that's something that I just learned on TikTok. And I'm, I'm like not convinced huh? that that fact is true. But yes, yeah, like it, or we or like there are people that can go running at night and have never once thought if a guy or a girl or or something jumps out at me from behind that bush, like oh here's a fun- okay. So this is a great example of it that I also just saw on TikTok recently, and I was actually thinking about earlier, and I didn't say it how. The, when you say this fact, a lot of men are going to be confused, but almost every single woman is going to know right away why. Mm. In ancient history and within history, it is preferred that morticians or um, coroners be female. I have... An assumption, but it's not a very generous one. So I'm going to let you. It's the same reason why female mummies tend to be found in a longer or in a in a higher state of of um, degradation, decompose than men. Mm-hmm. They've been they've taken it's taken them longer to do the embalming process on them. I don't think there's a I I hesitate to assume this, but I, I I would be shocked to find if there was a single woman in the world that didn't immediately go with because the men are having sex with the dead bodies. That I mean, I'm that woman. <laughs> that's what I thought of. I think that's what every woman thinks mm-hmm. of. And for men, that might not initially be their first thought. Like, what is it about women who are, why would women be better as coroners or morticians? Like, would it be? I mean, even some of the the wokest men could be like, well, maybe it's be you know the blood thing. It's because they do mm-hmm. menstruate, and so they're not so worried about the blood. No, it's not the blood thing. Yeah, I think we need to be super duper clear too that we're not saying all most- male morticians <laughs> and coroners are perverts. Yeah, and and we're not saying that all men would have sex with a dead. Right, right. <laughs> what we're saying is that men didn't. Imagine that possibility, right? The way that women perhaps automatically that it would happen. Women, women didn't, men didn't even know that it was an option. Yes, or men didn't have to think about that ahead of time Mm -hmm. as being a protective, a thing that they needed to be protected against. Right, and I think that that ties back to what we were just talking about. Although now I can't really remember exactly what it was we were talking about. Postmortem conversations. And not regretting because it never occurred to her mm-hmm. that that was a thing that she needed to be worried about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. It is. What, the, the, that is like finding the dead someone body thing who or the, lives on oh. Mars. No, just <laughs> somebody who doesn't analyze everything that left their mouth today. Yeah, that's wild. And again, I'm I'm still not convinced that that's real. I want to see the sleep data on her oh my God, Apple Watch. Yeah. I bet it's beautiful. <laughs> I bet she gets such good quality sleep. She probably also doesn't go on a whole lot of tangents where she's like, oh my God, I don't, you know, that sounded weird. Like I know that I said that and I'm like really sorry that I said yeah, that. Yeah, she doesn't have to qualify herself. Every statement that she makes, like my darling friend Abby and I, we were in a, a meeting and she was like, Hey, like every, everything that she would say to me would be like, Hey, I, I'm, you know, I could be completely wrong and I'm really sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be shitty. And like, I didn't take any of the stuff that she was saying personally because mm-hmm. I know her and she's my dear friend. But like, we do that a lot yeah. where it was just like, say what you need to say, sis, like just spit it out. And I, but you can't do that with just anyone. I'm bringing forth a theory. Okay. A theory that I have about why Abby 
does not have that afterthought the same way that we do. Because thinking about it, I'm like, surely in these large groups of men, I'm sure she still felt like she had to prove herself. So Mm. I don't think that it's a confidence thing necessarily. I do think that Abby Wambach is an incredibly confident person and she has every reason to be. Mm-hmm. But in her earlier days, I can imagine that maybe she learned early mm-hmm. that you don't prove yourself with words, mm-hmm. you prove yourself with actions. Mm-hmm. And don't hesitate. Yeah. And don't apologize. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and wasn't didn't she have like a lot of brothers? Yeah. Was not a thing too. Yeah. So being raised around Men or or boys. All of who... her sisters were older, so they had moved out, mm-hmm. and she was at home with her brothers. There's a recent episode where we find out that her mom sent her to etiquette school because, because... she was growing up around <laughs> all these boys, and they were all burping and farting and being gross. And do you know who didn't get sent to etiquette school? Her fucking brothers. The boys who were burping not. and farting and being of gross. Not. The ones that taught her these <laughs> quote unquote poor manners in the first yeah. place. Was it the etiquette etiquette one? Yeah. I just said etiquette. Like I was just reading it for the first well, time. Well, we are out of a etiquetting Judy Bloom etiquette. <laughs> we're etiquetting. We're etiquetting a lot of things. All of that. Starting with the patriarchy. <laughs> um... And, you know, she said this thing, Reese said this thing later on um, when she talked about her husband being her, like, cheerleader and being, like, empowering her and advocating for her and saying, like, well, why can't you do this thing? Reminds me of one of the best pieces of advice that I ever have gotten from this woman's finance group that I'm in on Facebook where how would a man handle this situation? Mm -hmm. Or how would a man respond to this situation? And it's not necessarily assuming that I know how a man thinks because I'm not a man and, mm-hmm. I, and I, I can't know that. But looking at models of when I see this problem come up or this scenario or this situation come up and I've seen a man handle it, what did he do? Mm-hmm. And if that aligns with my values, how what is okay for me to do? If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I know that you are supposed to be off next week, but um, I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in. And also you're going to have to take this other person's work. Like, And you've seen your coworkers, your male coworkers go like, hey, sorry, I can't do that. Or not even say sorry, but like, nope, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. I'm going and I'm not, I'm, I, that's not going to happen. Or how will I be compensated for doing exactly, that? Exactly. Exactly. Negotiating salary. Mm-hmm. The first time I, 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 I ever felt, I almost just said ballsy enough. You know what Betty White says about that? I sure as fuck do. You Wouldn't you rather be like a vagina? Those things take a pounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We miss you, Betty. We do. The first time I felt like I deserved to ask or to negotiate for a higher salary was when I took the job with LSC, mm-hmm. with Glass. And I I had a break-even point where be- the hours were less, so I needed the salary or the, the hourly wage to be more. And they gave their initial offer was lower than that. And so I was talking to um, my husband at the time and his brother. And I was like, I really want this, um, this number. It needs to be this number. And they were like, so just counter their, their offer. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? (laughs) Counter their offer? What? That's an option. (laughs) You know, the only other time I ever did that was actually, I guess the first time I did that. When I went to work for Victoria's Secret in college, minimum wage was, you know, like, let's say it was like $6 an hour. And I really, the, the previous job that I had worked was six fifty. I had gotten six fifty, mm-hmm. and they, um, called to offer me the job and they said, we're going to offer you six fifty, or we're going to offer you $6. And I was like, oh, I was really kind of hoping more for like six fifty. And she was like, well, you wrote down on here that you were take $6. And I was like. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like $6 is fine then. I haven't thought about that in a long time Mm -hmm. until just now and how that shamed me from thinking that I 
was allowed to counter salary. And who did that? A woman. Yeah. Another woman. Mm-hmm. We, the misogyny is coming from inside the house. It is. God, that's Not all of it, wild. But, but I, too much of it. I do, I do love that that is a thing that Reese also kind of does is not, maybe it's not intentionally like how would a man handle this, but like that she's got that there, there were, there was someone in her From now corner. on, you can go, how would Reese handle this? <gasps> I so much more prefer that. <laughs> but yeah, like what, okay, what do I see other people doing? How would this person handle it? Mm-hmm. Instead of like assuming that I have to do it this other less aggressive, less confident, less problematic way. Mm -hmm. That's all I got to say about that. I feel like that ties in nicely with the fact that most women fall into one of two categories. Mm -hmm. I'm either too much Mm -hmm. or I'm not enough. Mm Mm-hmm. And Abby's saying I was too much when I was an athlete, and now I feel like I'm just enough, Mm -hmm. or I'm I'm the right amount. Yeah. Well, as we heard at the beginning of this episode, when compared to too little, enough is always too much. Mm -hmm. I first heard that, I don't know, this was probably 2021. I was going through a breakup, imagine that. And also just kind of really, though, dealing with not just because of this one person, a lot of feelings of like, man, girl, get yourself under control. Like you are, you're too loud, you're too bubbly, you're too flirty, you're too this, you're too emotional, you're too that. And and there is something to be said for balance. However, we are who we are. And I found that poem and I was just like, this. Mm-hmm. Yes, when compared to too little, enough is always too much. And then my other one, I mean, like the corresponding phrase, which is go find less. Mm -hmm. If I'm too much for you, go find less. Do you remember how old you were when you first started to have that nagging thought of either being too much or too little? Yeah, I was like three because I threw a lot of, this goes back to attachment, Mm -hmm. crying a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And and making a big deal out of stuff. Yeah. That's interesting because I was thinking of the first time I became really conscious of it, but that's not the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was there. Well, you know, it my, was seeping in before I was conscious of it. My nickname as a kid was Princess to poke fun at me mm-hmm. because I was always expecting too much mm-hmm. or um, uh, demanded too much or... I mean, not necessarily too much, but like my expectations were higher. And so I was, we were, that was not a secret Mm -hmm. in my family. I need to be so careful, so much more careful of not making my own kids feel that. Mm. Well, first of all, because I do be doing that. We it, Because <laughs> what was modeled for us, our parents were doing the best that they could. Mm-hmm. Like what – we internalize that and we and we say it. And like, let's be real. I want to gaslight the fuck out of my kids sometimes when they're like, what? We've talked about it on here before, right? Mm-hmm. The cat thing and not wanting to change in front of the cat. And we're like, bro, this is ridiculous. You do not need to be upset or nervous or – you do not have the right to have these feelings mm-hmm. around being naked in front of an animal. That's not actually true. But like it, it would make my life a whole lot easier if you would just stop sobbing about this roly poly that you accidentally squished. It's a fucking bug. Mm-hmm. It's a bug. And it probably was going to die tomorrow anyways. I don't know what the life expectancy of a roly-poly is, but it it probably wasn't that much longer than whatever. Mm -hmm. But as someone who has worked on that myself and and has internalized a lot of that unintentional gaslighting into where I don't even trust my own instincts or I, you know, like, oh, Annalise, this wasn't really that big of a deal. Well, no, that was actually criminally a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like. Like that meets the criteria for arrest, mm-hmm. big deal. Then I think that for me, it is a little bit more on the forefront of my brain, but I clearly don't do that super consistently. But yeah. it is, it's, that is also something I think about where you're just like, I understand. 
I know why my parents did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it does make their life easier. And there are you only have so much energy to spend. And and that and energy gets exponentially more valuable with the number of kids that you have. I only have one to do that with. But you have two. My mom had three. And then some other, you know, like other, and then you get people who have like 14 kids and that's when you've got like kids raising kids and like you can, we can sit here on our, in our ivory tower. I could sit here only ever having had one kid who, and I will only ever have one kid going, how could you do that to your children out of fucking necessity and survival, bitch? Like Mm -hmm. that's how, because I had to do what I had to do. And that reminds me of something else that I had written down where something about the system could be flawed, but it's, it's, it's flawed because it had to be kind of like back to the, you know, just because your system doesn't allow for that doesn't mean that it should stop you. Maybe part of the reason why the system is flawed it doesn't make it inherently good or bad. It just was what it was Mm -hmm. and how that aligns with attachment. And the fact that we react a certain way or are attracted to a certain dynamic of people or respond instinctually a certain way isn't necessarily good or bad. It doesn't always have to have a villain. Right. Like we said earlier. Exactly. Sometimes things just are. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't come from a place of malintent. Mm -hmm. It just, it comes from a place of it existed because that was the data that was available at the time. That was the system that kept you safe at the time. And why not revamp it? Mm -hmm. I don't remember how that had anything to do with what we just said before that, but what was, I don't even know what we were talking about. Well, we were talking about not projecting Oh, that right. same thing right. Right, to our kids right. of too much or not enough. And that generosity to ourselves where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, the reason – or onto our parents as well and saying the reason they did that wasn't because they wanted to squash our light or anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And now that's making me think about the three types of people and the people who are maybe constantly invested in our destruction. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not consciously. It's because – they're doing what they can to survive. And that's not to say that we should excuse those people right. and give them permission to do that. But going back to generosity and you're doing the best that you can with the tools that are available to you and the tools are not sufficient for the job. You get so much closer to a solution when you're asking the right question. Yes. And, and so when it comes to telling my kids, you're being too loud. You're being too dramatic. You're being too much. What I'm really saying is I am dysregulated right now. I want to be regulated because I'm a better parent to you when I'm regulated. What is happening in this environment is not conducive to my being regulated. So what is the thing to do about that? And what you're doing is you're, instead of enforcing a boundary that is about controlling the other person's behavior, you're exposing your own need and you're asking for your needs to be met. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to think about that for a minute. Yeah. Maybe it's just as a starting point, maybe it's something like just an I statement. Yeah. It's not you're being too loud. Right. It's I'm having trouble with all the noise. I'm going to go to a quieter room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess as I think about it, a lot of times we get a, I get a lot of – questions in the car peppered with questions or like rate this or rate that or whatever like hey are you listening and then I feel guilty because like like I'm not listening to your story or I'm not answering the question and yes you've asked me three times but that's because I'm focusing on driving and I'm on campus Mm -hmm. and there are people jaywalking everywhere and cars pulling out from places and uber stopping and like I'm just trying to get us there safely I want to hear your story but more than I want to hear your story I want to get you somewhere safe right a lot of times that's what I've resorted to doing because it just it does it feels better to me because Mm -hmm. then I don't feel like an asshole for yelling at my kid where I'm just like I need to focus on driving right now I cannot pay attention to anything other than my primary job which is driving this vehicle and not killing or hitting or injuring anyone Mm -hmm. you can ask me that question when we get somewhere else which is a boundary Mm -hmm. versus an ultimatum you can't ask me that question while I'm driving. That's an ultimatum. I will be able to answer your questions when we get to our destination is a boundary. Mm-hmm. And then you just hope they you. forget. <laughs> right. 
you cross your fingers and you turn the music up real loud and you bank on that whole ADHD impulsivity to just sail on by. My dear Emily, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I just, I didn't spend quite as much time as I wanted to just with the mother's shout out. Reese said, our mothers are the love of our lives. Stop it. Get the freak out of here. The very last note that I have written is that her mother is the love of her life. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's a hard thing to say and it's a hard thing to hear because so many people don't have that or experience that. And so I hold space for those people. And also I just need to share with the world how much gratitude I have for my mom. She's she's a real one. It's so precious. I love that. I mean, I love you too, Karen. Like, don't worry about it. (laughs) This isn't about us. This is about Emily. And also shout out to Reese Witherspoon's mother Mm -hmm. for raising such a fantastic and for investing in and empowering such a fantastic woman not to belittle the work that Reese has done herself but also like hey lady thank you for being the love of Reese's life Mm -hmm. because it's impacted a whole lot of people well that's our little episode for the week I'm Annalise I'm Emily and next week join us again for another episode of we can do pod things I would like to let everybody know that next week's episode Mm. I've got it screenshotted here I did we are going to talk about the five ways to be more present indigenous wisdom from Caitlin Curtis. Okay. I'm here for it. All right. Come back next week for some mindfulness magic. And we will also come back next week. We'll yes, never we leave you guys hanging again, or well, at least we'll try. We'll give you a warning <laughs> next time. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.